0: Kiss on. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. I don't think it's into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Take two. Welcome to episode 123 of the Kiss FAQ podcast. I was trying to think we're doing two shows this week and I can't remember what's what. Uh, But hey, There's a new face on the screen, and that is Mitch Lafon. Welcome to the show, sir. It's good to see you and to get another new face on this. And joining us are St. Louis Kiss, Lonnie. Hello. And the voice of reason, 69th Blizzard Ken. Gentlemen, it's always an honor to be in your presence, too. So, um, hey, Mitch, you know, it's great to get you on this show. Uh, Why don't you just tell everyone? We do always do an intro for people that you get to tell us your.
1: Uh, what got you into Kiss? Your favorite album and your favorite guy. So monologue time. Monologue time. Well, you know, very simply, back in the day when it was vinyl, and you know, my brother was around, he uh, he would leave these Kiss records lying on the, on the ground by the record player, and I had been listening to Beethoven's Fifth, and I had been listening to ABBA. And you know what? It was the visual of the albums. I remember very specifically the Love Gun album with the Kiss blood, you know. And I said, "All right, I'm going to put this on." And that was it. I mean, I was hooked. And then after that, you know, once my brothers stopped with all the Kiss stuff, I went on and bought the Dynasty album and the the solo albums. And then and then I interviewed Gene for the Unmasked album. I mean, it was it was that sort of quick from zero to to sixty in in, in about three years. And uh, it was just great times. And so. Here I am all these years later, favorite album. You know, I always, I I bring it down to these three. I always say, I love the first one, Kiss Kiss, because when you look at it and you look at the songs, forget production, forget this, forget, just look at the songs that they're still playing in the set list. A lot of them are those songs. They're that good that they've held a test of time. Uh, Then Creatures of the Night. You know, there was that period where, there was confusion and Peter left and this and that. And then they came back with this creatures of the night album. Drum sound was phenomenal. The visual of the car of the artwork was phenomenal and the songs were great. So, you know, maybe in 2017, when you look back and you say, well, this album, that album, but when you're living it in the context and in the moment, it just had that effect of, Oh my God, we're living through the knack and we're living through Blondie and we're living through all these things. And here's kiss. Oh, Riding back to the to, to, to the forefront, and then uh, same thing. I would have to go with revenge. So those are my three ones, and and I'll tell you why revenge. And I was thinking about this just the other day. You, you know, we had the cavalcade of guitarists in the eighties. You know, we went from from Vinny. You know, from well, actually we went from Ace to Vinny to Mark to Bruce, and you kept thinking, well, where where's the next guy going to come from? And and of course, you know, Crazy Nights was Kiss trying to be Bon Jovi, and and and, and you know. And then they came back and they became Kiss again. And Bruce became the guitarist for, for many years. Right, rightly or wrongly, he was just the guy that wasn't Ace. Oh, he's not Ace. Oh, he's not Ace. He's the new guy. But then on, on Revenge, he became Bruce, the guitarist for Kiss. At least that's how I see it. And so those, those are the three that have that impact on me. You can debate all you want whether they're the best album or not the best album. But those are the ones that contextually living it at 18, 19, or 12, or whatever, they go, ah. You know, it's like, oh, Bon Jovi, Bon Jovi, Deaf Leopard, oh, kisses back. You know, and, and same thing, it's like the knack and the oh, blondie, blondie, oh, oh, oh kisses back. And so they had those moments where they sort of went, yoohoo, we haven't disappeared. And so those those would be my three, you know, and, and which is the favorite? I, I don't know. I mean, my favorite when I was under 12 would have been Kiss, Kiss. <laughs> the favorite after 12 would have been, you know, just because they all had a marking moment in the evolution of what I was doing, what they were doing. Uh, how they were redefining themselves from from being on the forefront to chasing singles. Kiss Kiss is them on the forefront. Creatures of the Night is them saying, hey, we're not going to do this disco stuff anymore. And Revenge is saying, okay, forget it. We're not Bon Jovi. We get it. So let's just be Kiss again. And so those are the ones that really are like, okay. So, just,
0: just so you know that there's someone on the Kiss FAQ message board right now who's saying that your opinion of your favorite albums are wrong. So let's Sucks. just let's just get that out of <laughs> the way. You're wrong. Uh,
1: who, well, of course.
0: Who's your favorite guy? I mean, who is that one person who you think Kiss and your heart, your head's going to tell you one answer, probably. Your heart's going to tell you the other. Who's that guy who, who kind of defines Kiss for you? That you, you just he, he's well, your guy.
1: Y- you know you just said head and heart the head says it's paul stanley no paul stanley no kiss because he he was in the 1980s gene took a vacation no paul stanley there's no kiss in 2017 we know that uh the heart says ace Frehley. i just you know there's just something about that lovable what's the word i don't want to call him a doofus because he's not a doofus but you know he's just this lovable character who's just plays the guitar like nobody else and you know, should he be in the band? Shouldn't he not? Whatever. He, he's ace. And, and you got to love ace. And that's it. You know, so so the heart says ace. The head, of course, is Paul. I mean, Paul, no Paul, no kiss. No. Yep. And, you know, period, end of story. Um, but ace, ace for me. And that that's no disrespect to Bruce, no disrespect to Vinny, no disrespect to, um, to Tommy. Tommy's doing a great job. I have nothing against Tommy, nothing against Tommy wearing the makeup as he's wearing it. But Ace is Ace is the get you know Ace is yeah. my guy.
0: It's it's totally not a, tr- a trick question. It's just you know every, well, every, everyone's got these answers. You know people have said Vinny, people have said Tommy as well, and you know what? It doesn't matter because it's all Kiss. There it's is, true. There is you know it, it, you're not you're not winning an award for selecting which color Kool Aid you want. You know if it is Kool Aid, except for one of the guys <laughs> after after the fact. So it you know it ultimately doesn't matter. So just before we get into today's topic, what are you doing at the moment? Because uh, you were on a podcast. You've been doing your own thing, yeah, one-on-one. Sure. You've been on one-on-one uh, on your own for quite a while, and
1: I think you hooked up with Sirius. Um, no,
0: um, podcast one. Podcast actually. one. So uh,
1: Yes, I was doing one-on-one with Mitch Lafon, interviewing all the different rock stars, you know, from Alice Cooper to David Coverdale to all these guys, and uh, Chris Jericho, the wrestler emailed me probably back in february and said uh hey i've been listening to your show and i need a rock show on my the jericho network on podcast one you know who who do i contact to to see if you'd be available and i said well i'm a one-man show i'm it and uh, so i agreed to go over to the podcast one network with with chris jericho on the jericho network so i've got rock talk with mitch lafon and, you know, it, it, it is a perfectly logical move. Uh, I still do the the interviews. I still, you know, I, I've just had on Deep Purple. I just had guys on from Derek and the Dominoes, uh, Dead Daisy, John Karabi, Bruce Kulik. And I'm on a platform that is as significant right now as SiriusXM. I mean, there's a, you know, it's got Dr. Drew. It's got Andrew uh, Adam Carolla. It's got um, uh, Joe Rogan. I mean, it's got all these, all these big names, you know, Richard Marks you know eddie trunk is on there chris jericho is on there and then right at the bottom there mitch lafon rob (laughs) talked with mitch Lafon, so so no it's great and it's it's great fun and i'm very much looking forward to expanding uh, the business i guess for the lack of a better word you know get bigger bigger and bigger guests i mean i just had a request in for alice cooper today so let's hope that comes through
0: well, well, congratulations on that and moving up. You've you've gone from Kiss opening and not even being on the bill in uh, <laughs> right. New Year's Eve seventy three seventy four. You know to to doing something bigger and better. So you know, power yeah. power to you for moving that up the up the ladder. So yep. thank you. Lots of hustle. Lonnie's having to be quiet over there for for a few minutes. It's so, unusual.
1: You know. <laughs> so uh, let's not dominate. Try not to so, interrupt.
0: <laughs> Let's jump straight into today's topic which is celebrating the 25th anniversary of Revenge. And yep. you know, I've been, you know, somewhat unkind to this album in the past. So, okay. I'm going to say nothing today. Actually, I've been writing about Revenge this week and it's I've been listening to the album and I got to say it's changed my opinion now that it's reaching 25. All of a sudden, maybe it's becoming a little bit more legitimate in my mind. It's still got all the cornball stuff that we'll talk about um, right. that'll probably come up. But Lonnie, let's start with you on the first question is, you know, the death of Eric Carr. Could um, the band have chosen a better drummer to replace Eric than Eric? You know, let's just start with you know getting into revenge. Is they're they're going to be taking revenge on the death of their drummer? You know, because that all ties into the creation of this album. You know, so let's start with that. Your thoughts on Eric Carr's passing and you know where they went drum wise?
2: Um, I remember when Eric Carr died. I was more. I remember hearing. I don't. I wasn't watching MTV at the time, and not that MTV covered it extensively or anything like that either. But I remember sitting. I was in seventh grade. And I was, sit- this is how much Kiss means to me. I can tell you where I was when I found out Eric Carr died. I was sitting <laughs> in the lunchroom at school and a buddy of mine across, sitting across me said, Lonnie, you knew I was a big Kiss fan and I wasn't as hardcore as I became, but he knew I was a big Kiss fan. And he goes, did you hear that Kiss's drummer died? And I said, what? And I remember I'm in seventh grade. I'm not really into, and there was no internet. You really didn't know, you know, yeah. extensively what was going on or how sick Eric Carr was. And for me, being 12, 13 years old, I didn't even know he was sick. Um, and I go, "What?" And he goes, "Yeah, it was it was the drummer of Kiss. He died." I go, and the only thing I can think of, well, well, which one was it? Eric Carr? Or was it? Or was it Peter Chris? I did, you know, what do you mean? He goes, "No, no, it was the guy that's in the band now." And I was like, I was like, I was like, "Are you sure?" He goes, "Yeah." And I was, I was and I was devastated. I thought, well, what are they going to do? He's been the drummer for since nineteen eighty, and are they going to bring the first thing? I thought, well, would they bring Peter back? What 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 would they do? So um, I was devastated when I heard Eric Carr because I, I really questioned where would the band would go at this point because they'd been around and even and even in my eyes when in 1991 they were old by that point in my eyes when I was in, when I was 12 years old. Well, Kiss had been around a long time. They're they're old. So would would, would the band call it quits? Even I thought, and would they bring Peter Chris back? What are they going to do? Um, But to answer the other part of your question, could they have found a better drummer than Eric Singer? Absolutely not. Um, Knowing I was going to do the show today, uh, when I went for my morning run, I listened to Revenge start to finish and listened to it on headphones as I'm running. It is powerful. And the drumming on just unholy right out of the gate is intense. And going for the sound that they wanted, going back to what Mitch said earlier, going back to Kiss being Kiss and having a hard album a metal album they couldn't have picked a better guy for the job than Eric.
0: It's he knocks it out of the park. Ken, how about you? Obviously we'll talk a little bit more about some of your revenge stories, but you know, when Eric passed, did you start thinking about, you know, possible replacements or how they'd handle that situation?
3: Yeah, um you know, I already had seen what Eric Singer with uh, on the Paul Stanley solo tour. Um, when Paul Stanley came around out here and, uh, you know, I knew they were going to continue and not stop. Um, I didn't know, you know, who they were going to pick. Um, but when they did pick Eric Singer, I was like, well, yeah, I know this guy, you know, he's pretty darn good. Um, so from that standpoint, yeah, that was, it didn't bother me. It bothered me that Eric Carr died, of course. Um, but, uh, I knew they were going to go on and find a new drummer the same way they've gone on and found drummers before, you know, and found Eric Carr or found guitarists. So, um, yeah, it, it was okay. And, and it turned out to be a real good thing, uh, having him in there.
1: Yep. Mitch, your take on that. I, I love Eric Singer now and, and I'll, and I've told this story before, I didn't know Kiss had a new album, because like he said, there, there, there was no internet, there was no delivery method like we're used to now, so you'd find out about a new album by walking by the record store, and on Kiss Revenge, I walked by the TV in the living room, it happened to be on Much Music, and I saw this band playing and doing this song, and I saw this blonde drummer, and I went, holy mackerel, this guy's awesome, and I saw this guy who looked like Gene, and this guy who looked like Paul, I'm like, wait a minute, but this is blonde drummer. I had no idea, and um, it turns out it was unholy and Eric Singer. And I was like, man, I- I'm buying this album. I mean, I have to go get this. So, yeah. I mean, I was I was exceptionally sad that that Eric Carr passed away, but I never had any doubts that they would wouldn't continue. I mean, they they continued past Ace. And you thought, well, that's not possible. And then they continued past Vinny, and you went, Well, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right? They they continued past all these people. So it, it, it just never occurred to me that they wouldn't keep going. It just having been with them with them since my childhood, it was just sort of like, no, Mitch is alive, so Kiss is alive. That's just the way life goes, you know. And so no, when I heard that video, I had no idea that there was an album coming. I had no idea that they had anything. And I just saw it, and I went, yeah, that's it. And, you know, I would say he's my favorite Kiss drummer ever. I just, I just like the fact that he can do the 70s stuff and make it sound right. He can do the 80s stuff and make it sound right. And his own stuff is just monstrous, right? So, no, Eric Singer is perfect. Without, without a doubt.
0: You know, I, I don't even remember how I found – actually, I was watching MTV. I was living in – I was at Penn State um, in uh, Pennsylvania of all places and uh i remember the news coming on and you know i was sh- absolutely shocked and then freddie died and that overshadowed yeah. everything as well because you know i was pretty big into queen at the time um the 80s queen is what i got into just like with kiss you know i came in with them in the kind of magic era and worked my way back so it was like it was like a one-two punch at the time just absolutely stunned and then eric singer it it I hadn't seen or known much about what was going on with the civil because I was in Southeast Asia and just wasn't getting news out the, uh, out then. I did know that he'd um, eventually had had played, but I had gotten I into badlands so. I I was into the Ray Gillen side of stuff, and I discovered that album, which I still love to this day as one of the very, very best debuts any band has ever put out. And that made me go back and listen to the Seventh, uh, whatever it is, uh, and Eternal... Seventh Star. Seventh Star and Eternal Idol, you know, in Black Sabbath, because I was only into the Aussie stuff prior to that. So... I knew a bit about Eric Singer, but I thought he was absolutely monstrous. A very good young drummer. Not that young, but young enough. I liked the contrast that bringing a blondie in. That was the only thing that I, I was like, are they going to make him dye his hair? You know, go on Motley Crue and you've got to have dark hair. And, you know, I'm glad they, they let him be himself because he certainly brought... He was like almost a natural evolution to Eric Carr. He had something special. That didn't make Eric Carr look like a bad drummer. It was nothing like that. It was like they replaced him with someone who could do Eric Carr and could do Peter Chris, and do Eric Singer. So he was like the total package in terms of a drummer. Um, You know, let's get into Revenge. And I'm going to go straight back to you, uh, Mitch. And that was your first um, impression of Revenge was Unholy, right? Seeing that song. And what did you think of Kiss? doing that sort of music. I mean, you've got guitar scrapes at the beginning of it. You, The video, I mean, the pentagrams and children and Damien Omen-type uh, imagery and all that. It, it was pretty wild.
1: Oh, it was very wild. And, you know, here you had Kiss that had just come off of Crazy Nights and Reason to Live and then Hot in the Shade and, you know, Fluffy Fluffy and Read My Body. And you were just expecting them to keep going down that path of, you know, were were Bon Jovi light, and they came out, and it was just it was glorious. I mean, it was a recapturing of of their spirit, and it had that sort of New York street cred. You know, I just loved it. I loved everything about it. And, and and you know, listen, music was changing. You know, Motley Crue had gotten a little louder on on Doctor Feel Good, and and the Metallica Black album. It was time for Kiss to get into that. Yeah, we we let's crank up these guitars, and it it really reminded me of what they did with Creatures of the Night because they had. If you look at the pattern, Dynasty was a little watered down, and Unmasked was a little watered down, and then the Elder was uh, <laughs> the Elder, and then Creatures of the Night, and then so we so we had this pattern sort of repeating. Asylum was uh, and then you know, and then re- Revenge. So it seems to be like yeah, they 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 realize like okay we watered it down let's get back out there and let's kick some ass and, and it was great it was great there's you know there's no complaining about the sound the look the look was was fierce I mean you know we had just gone through not only had we gone through Def Leppard and all that but now we were into Sleazebees and Tough and all these other bands that were looking even more and more effeminate and now Kiss was like nah we're gonna get right back to looking like these street New York punks and it was like alright I'm down for that I like punks <laughs> you know and, and no, offend,
0: no offense to Bruce Kulick, it's anything that got rid of that silly nuclear waste <laughs> ah! imaged <laughs> oh, yeah. suit is a good thing. And obviously he didn't he didn't have that on the Hunt in the Shade tour. They'd already taken you know the first steps. You you go from Crazy Nights, which is all saccharin. I want to be you know I want to be John Bon Jovi and do a uh, Slippery One Wet album um, into. Hot in the Shade, well, that didn't work, and we have no money left, so we're just going to throw everything that we can out there and see if anything sticks. That's Gene Simmons' uh, shotgun approach, I think, Hot in the Shade, and something did stick in the form of Forever. Um, And then you get to Revenge, and, well, we've got nothing else left to do here, so we're just going to try and do what we did with Destroyer. We're going to focus on the songs. We're going to focus on the guitars and, you know, focus on certain areas of what makes KISS KISS. So, so Ken, how do you like their approach with revenge? And um, I'm sure we've talked about it before, but just for the sake of first questions, right. what was your first experience with revenge? Was it a song? Was it uh, what was the first song yeah. you heard from the album?
3: <laughs> well, it's similar to to Mitch. Uh, I, I caught it uh, unholy on uh, Headbanger's Ball. I think the first the first uh, time it appeared on there. Um, so, and I, I think it was probably from a recording cause I recorded that stuff on uh, VHS every like whatever it was Saturday nights, I think. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I saw that and I was just, I was just, I couldn't believe it. I, I, it, I had this kind of feeling going up, you know, like the back of your spine, you know, it's like, wow, I, this is, it was exciting. I mean, it, to see them back after the, the prior years of, you know, like Mitch was saying, chasing Bon Jovi and so on. Um, oh, that, that was the first song, and I was just so excited. I mean, I think around that time when they showed that, that's when they announced they were going to do a, and they may have announced it on uh, MTV, that they were going to do that club tour. Um, so that's when, you know, I knew I was going to have to look out for that. But yeah, that that song was just awesome. The, the video was awesome. I thought, I'm like, they're back, you know? They're back now.
0: Nice, Lonnie. Now, you know, revenge is very close to your heart. I know. So, first time you ever <laughs> experienced it, first song. Um,
2: Ken and I were watching the same thing. I saw it on Headbanger's Ball. I saw Unholy, um, and what struck me is that the um, The music had changed so much from what they had been been putting out. Um, Like you guys have already mentioned, that you know it went from this watered down fluff to being a tough metal band again. And not only was the music tough and the music better, but they looked Kiss looked tough and looked it looked and looked cool to me as a twelve year old kid. You know they they were dressed in black, they were dressed in leather, Um, they they looked mean. They looked how you would think Kiss is supposed to look without the makeup for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, like, the pentagrams and, and demonic symbols in and, and Unholy. Um, it didn't help my mom's thought that Kiss was satanic when she saw <laughs> that with me watching that. So, but, you know, that as a kid, though, that makes you like him even more if your parents hate him. So it was even better that my mom hated the video because it just made me gravitate to it even more and wait for it to come on again and made me want to go out to the record store and, and get the C D. Um, but no, my first impression was unholy and it it blew me away. Cause it it if you would have told me at the time that oh Kiss's new video and I didn't know if Kiss's new video was gonna debut or something, I just watched it because what I did on Saturday nights because I didn't have to get up early to go to school the next day. But if you would have told me that Kiss's new video was gonna debut that night, I don't I, I, I wouldn't have As 12 years old, I wouldn't have dreamed that that's what it would have looked like or what it would have sounded like. And it it just blew me away, and it it just captured me and upped my levelness of, of a KISS fan immensely.
0: Yeah, it would have been very different at that point stylistically. I didn't get to see it until it came out on video. Because uh, I I just did not no. see that. I saw them in magazines um, around the time that the album was coming out. So probably Kerrang! and Raw or Rip or whatever all these were. And my first impression was they're trying to be Motley Crue. Motley Crue, I think, feel good had come out in, uh, what, 89? And, Correct. And they had gone the same kind of transformation. They and Girls, 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 had been kind of uh, pretty leather for want of a better phrase. And then, you know, they toughened it up more in the feel-good. And Gene, though, I always thought he finally looks good. For the first time out of makeup, Gene had finally found a look and a wig that worked for him. So, (laughs) I don't know if it was real here. it doesn't matter. But he looked good. Paul always looks good. And, you know, Bruce finally looked like a heavy metal guitar Player. i thought he looked it, you know in 84 um but you know he was back to that he, you know the suit jacket was gone and they, they just look good as a band but i was cynical as an 18 year old i'm like oh they're just trying to be you know edgy again you know I, and same with the music on there so you know it, it's never been a high-end album for me because i was so you know, i was enjoying Nirvana to be honest and that's all we listened to in the house. The stuff that was getting played on MTV, and it certainly wasn't KISS at that time or when I was watching it. So Um let's kind of dig in a little bit now. You know, you get this album, you get Unholy, you start hearing I Just Wanna and some of the other songs. Lonnie what are the real high points on this album for you that, you know, as we celebrate its 25th anniversary, the things that jump out at you right now that you say this is what makes it a great album that's worth celebrating and doing an expanded edition for?
2: You know, it's it's unholy. And we already talked about that. Um, but it's also I just want to I mean, I remember seeing I just want to on MTV quite a bit that summer of 92. Um, It, it, it got more more airplay than most kiss things on MTV ever have. Um, it, you know, and, and again, same thing, you know, the, the play on words and the, I just want a video. My mother hated it. I loved it even more. I told her, no, no mom, they're not saying that. You know, if you, if you look at the album in the, you know, in the, in the lyrics here, it says, I just want to forget you. And my mom back, you know what? They can write whatever they want in there. I know what they're saying, <laughs> so, but, it, but, 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 you know, it just, but it, as a kid though, it just made me love it even more. And, uh, so so that song is is, is still great to me and, and I wish you know and they haven't played it since the Revenge tour which I which is a fun song so I, I, I don't understand it's a fun song it's a fun song that and if, you, if you watch like those those videos from the Revenge Tour or you watch Confidential or whatever you know it was a fun song for them to play live and there was you know audience interacted and that it was it was a great song um, I think t- take it Off fun is a fun one too um and domino i i I don't know if i have a favorite song or or at least favorite song on there maybe god gave rock and roll to you because i don't it just doesn't fit on the album to me and we can get on stuff that we don't like about it later but as i'm listening to it this morning and i'm just going through it song by song and you hear spit and then you hear god gave rock and roll to you and then you hear domino well once one is not like the others And what it's doing smashed in between those two songs, it just doesn't fit in there at all. And if you want to put it on there, maybe I would have put it last on there as maybe a tribute to Eric Carr at the very end of the album, instead of smashed in between Spit and Domino. It just doesn't make sense to me at all, especially when you listen to it um, track by track. But Unholy, I just want to... and then But Bruce's guitar on there, and you guys talk about Bruce a little bit. Bruce became, like Mitch said earlier, the guitarist in Kiss for that album. He just came into his own and and wasn't imitating anyone or trying to sound like anyone anymore. He, he was just metal and he, he became in my eyes. And especially at the time, the status of like, of like a, of like a Mick Mars and those, in those late eighties, early nineties type guitarist, even, even a slasher, even something like that. He was, he was kisses guitar player. Like Mick Mars was, Motley Crue's guitar player and Slash was Guns N' Roses' guitar player. He wasn't Kiss's replacement guitar player. He was,
0: he was it because his riffs on that album just solidified him in the band. I just like the image of trying to get Bruce angry to play that sort of guitar work, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and, and maybe that's why they did bring Vinny in because that's the only way to get yeah, maybe him angry. I, maybe that off. get him get him <laughs> angry because you know he, he has said in interviews and you know I don't know if you've ever asked him Mitch, you know that he stopped thinking so much and started playing from the balls is you know what he said yep. you know in terms of the guitar you mm. know and I I think you compare the guitar work with say crazy nights that is outstanding guitar work but it sounds like shit uh you know it just mm. does not sound like kiss it's great for what it is and it's stellar work very intricate exactly what people were playing in 87 but in 92 all of a sudden you've got a guitarist who can really grind and it's 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 heavy metal as it's supposed to be mitch what what are some of your really high points out of the album that uh jump out of you
1: well the same thing as lonnie honestly uh i just wanna is probably one of my favorite kiss songs ever not just from revenge i just think that song is fun totally underplayed totally ignored for for no reason i mean you throw that into a a set list today and and you've got the crowd singing back and forth with you it it would be perfect uh unholy of course because that's the one that changed everything again and and i keep saying bon Jovi, bon but i had gone total hair metal in the 80s and almost forgot about kiss and unholy is the one that said come back here buddy boy and so that one has to go there um you know, every time I look at you, I thought it was just a great uh, power ballad. You know, "Kiss had tried. Forever was good and stuff. I'm not going to complain. Reason to live was OK. But every time I look at you, I thought it was ex- exceptionally special. Uh, and the guitar work and the solo done by Dick Wagner was, was <laughs> yeah. also I know, I know also great. And then, um, you know, Spit, and uh, years, years later, and you all know this, I, I did this Kiss tribute album, and I had the guys from Accept, Do, Spit, and that song, it just it just works, you know, and when you get a band like Accept, or you get a band like Kiss that's just hitting these high notes, and hitting this heavy kind of vibe, that's a great song, it's a great sort of three minute piss and vinegar song, and you can't, you can't deny that you know so so you've got these and as far as god gave rock and roll to you uh you know as much as i just want to use one of my favorite god gave rock and roll to you is probably one of the songs i just cannot stand on any level so yeah i agree that should have been a bonus track or or thrown at the end or left on the floor for do you want to touch me now (laughs) um uh, yeah but that aside i just want to unholy every time i look at just spit that's it, that's all. I mean, there's the other stuff on there, you know, Paralyzed and and, and uh, Take It Off, but without those four, that album doesn't work.
0: Yeah, nice. Good, good thoughts. Ken, let's get to
3: you before uh, we, we change gears again. Okay. Um, yeah, all the songs. I mean, especially what stuck out to me, you know, on the first listen way back was the Gene Simmons songs where for the first time in probably since creatures or even before uh are just top-notch songs um you know and unholy you know leading off the album was a a big surprise too on its own uh, because paul usually was you know reserved for that space on on every album Um, but the gene simmons songs from unholy to domino uh thou shall not which i love paralyzed And I know he, you know, trades off uh, with Paul on spit, but everything, his mark on that album is is huge, and that's one of the bigger reasons why that album's so good, Um, because he was back from those, for instance, Animalize year, uh, that period, um, you know, um, even Hot in the Shade, and it's just, you know, he was gone. You know, he was out for lunch. Um, so, th- as far as the Paul Stanley songs, uh, it, they took a little longer for me to get, you know, uh, catch on uh, for me. Um, you know, no technically real anthem, I guess uh, you can call, you know, uh, take it off, almost anthem, but not really. <laughs> it's an anthem for taking off your clothes. Um, but that's a great song. I mean, I love that song. Um and then I just wanna is another great song, uh, though you know they they borrowed that from the you know lick or whatever part of it from the what, summertime blues. Summertime thing, blues, something. yeah. Right. So. But like but Paul still, S- Paul Stanley says,
0: if you're going to steal, song. steal from the best, right?
3: You know. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great song. Great song. And so the end. Uh, I I agree with Lonnie and, and Mitch that you know, um, God gave, uh, which I, I I love the song. I think it's a great song. Um, it is a little bit out of place. They did record it separately from the rest of the album. Um, but, yeah, I think it should have been on tacked on the, you know, uh, the the final song on the album would have been a, a good way to go for that.
0: Yeah, so, that, that would have yeah. made a stunning last song on the album. You do car jam, so you got a bombastic drum solo, you know, and all that, and then into God Gave. It's like a little message as well. It doesn't fit in between what you are and what you eat. And
2: and um that bitch bends over. it just doesn't fit in between those two songs. I'm
0: sorry <laughs> I, I I don't know both of those kind of uh, just scream God giving rock and roll to you, you know? <laughs> in a twisted perverted kind of sort of way but uh, y- you know you've all mentioned I just wanna and take it off which uh, they're the cringeworthy songs spit you know they are total cringeworthy songs for me always have been. I've grown a bit more into Take It Off in recent years, especially the Alive 3 version, which I prefer, um, just because you get a a bit more of the party atmosphere coming through and Paul Stanley is MC. But, you know, here's a guy who loves Asylum and got into Kiss because of uh, All Night, and I've got the audacity to say anything negative about Spit or, you know, I just want to... It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's ironic. It's completely... Um, you know, doesn't make any sense, but there you are. That's me. Um you know, every time I look at you, I think yes. it's mm-hmm. ten times the ballad that forever was. And it's really a shame that nothing happened for this album. This album stiffed at five hundred thousand basically, never got past gold as As late as we have for um sound scan figures you know march twenty twelve was when we did uh, when Tim did the interview with uh Paul Green and got you know six hundred and eighty eight thousand is all it did in sales did i think three hundred and fifty thousand worldwide on top of that, so just about a million does not do justice the amount of effort um I'm going to say Bob Ezrin. This is his shining moment with Kiss because it Pretty nails nice. everything in terms of sound. Do you, obviously, I'm asking the wrong group of people um, because we're Kiss fans. Bob Ezrin, what's his magic in this album that you think he... Re- what is what he really did for the band to help them produce this, Lonnie?
2: He he did the same thing he did with destroyers and he took the songwriting and in the, the musicianship on the out and the musicianship on the album to another level. I'll say that more than anything. Is it just as he took Peter Chris's drumming to a different level on destroyer and, you know, worked Peter's ass off to get it, to get it the way he wanted it. Um, Look what he did to the sound on on Revenge. I mean, look how drastically different it sounds than anything they had done since Creatures, for that matter. I mean he he went in there and said and and said, you know, this this is how you know we're going to do it. That you know we're we're getting away from it's, it's nineteen ninety to late 91 whenever they recorded it we're getting away from all the fluff that you guys did listen to what's popped there right now you know guns and roses had put out use your illusion and aerosmith was doing what they were doing motley crew was do- we mentioned them you know get away from all this and you know you guys are going to focus on playing your instruments and playing them right and we're going to make it sound competitive with what was hot at the time with we mentioned Metallica too. And, and how they kind of almost kind of look like Metallica in a way of all black and looking tough. But Ezrin came in and put his stamp on it, in my opinion. And what Ezrin has done, he did the same thing he did with the story. He brought the musicianship to another level. And without him, um, you, you you don't get that, that crisp sound. And Julian, we've mentioned on the show in the past, maybe you don't like all the songs on there, but there's no denying that the sound on that album is that they they never got that. They've never had maybe since creatures. They haven't had that great of a sound prior, and in my opinion, they've never had a, that good of a sound since. Um, and it's kind of a shame that they haven't had that good of a sound on an album since 1992. But but Ezrin is to thank for that, in my opinion.
0: Ken, what about you? I mean, what did you think about Bob Ezrin coming back to work with the band? Obviously, you and Mitch are both longtime fans who predate us, who had to go through the elder um <laughs> you know yeah well any, any nerves he wasn't exactly on a hot streak in the late 80s early 90s was he i mean he was kind of doing meat and potatoes work working with good good artists don't get me wrong but he wasn't exactly doing anything on the level of the wall he wasn't doing billion-dollar babies or anything like that. You know, his last, you know, really great album for me had been Momentary Lapse of Reason, that kind of screamed Bob Ezrin in his back and and doing magical work. But what did you think when that he was going to be able to do,
3: or you know, kind of not do? <laughs> well, the one thing I I think I, I knew he was going to get them to do is, is you know become more focused on the music and on what they're doing and to. To really, you know, build the song, ha- have a complete song, not just uh, partial bits. Like uh, you know, like they had other times where there, where some songs are not usually. You can tell certain songs are not uh, complete or, or uh, fully thought out. You know, um, I think he helps them direct them into a way to, uh, you know complete the song he may have his ideas of how to stick something in here or there or say hey hey, Bruce you know give me a, a you know real nasty guitar lick on this part of the song or, or whatever or fill and, and that sort of thing I think that's that's the thing that he Bob hears things I think you know he can visualize it I guess in his mind the the music and how he you know the whole picture of it um, and he helps the band focus and gets them, you know, focused in, in, you know, writing and 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 performing on a on a next level up. Um, and uh, I, you know, I was happy that he came back. You know, I didn't know what I was going to get. You know, come on, the elder. It's it's, <laughs> I I like the elder, um, but. It's different, you know, it was w- what they tried to do, they did, and that's what we got. Um, I think it wasn't a bad production, it was just the wrong idea at the wrong time, kind of thing. Uh, um, so, Revenge, yes, Bob, I think it was good, and because uh, I, I don't know who else they were going to go with. I, I didn't want them to self-produce, I knew that.
0: Yeah, I think Hot in the Shade is a good example. You know, uh, of Vinny well, Pon- yeah. Poncia came into those sessions to help them with the writing, but he had not the same effect that Ezrin had in the songwriting, or, or I guess we, we never know exactly except we can judge the difference in quality between the yeah. two albums. So Mitch, Bob Ezrin, you know, does he finally give you the album that he should have given you in 1981, a hard rock <laughs> masterpiece, uh, a heavy metal masterpiece?
1: Yeah, he does. And I think what Bob brings is he, he brings control to the to the studio. There There is no yes man with Bob Ezrin in there. And when you're working with Gene and Paul, you might get intimidated if you're some other producer. You might just say, oh, yes, yes, of course, Paul, that's a great idea. Oh, yes, yes. G-. Bob's not going to go with that. He's going to say yes. And you know he's going to bring respect to that studio. They have respect for him, he has respect for them, and he has control. He goes, this is what's going to happen, this is how it's going to happen, and you can't get away with, you know, extra guitar solos here, all kinds of weird lyrics there. You you can't get away with a hot in the shade with Bob Ezrin there, because he's just not going to put up with that, and that's what he brought to the wall, that's what he brought to Destroyer, that... And even with with this one, with Bruce Kulick, he wasn't getting the solo he wanted on every time I look at you. And so, you know, take it off with, with Kevin Valentine. He will get what he wants. And he's not because his name's on there. And he cares about his name. And he cares about that. And the other thing that was important at the time, like Ken was saying, is that Bob wasn't really at the top of his game. Or maybe it was you that was saying it. They sort of both needed each other. And they both needed this to be the next Destroyer because... I think Bob was at like, oh, my production, I'm not getting those A-level bands again. And Kiss was like, oh, we're not getting those A-level sales again. It was just a perfect storm of the producer needed the band, the band needed the producer, and this was a producer that's not a yes man. He's not going to sit there and go, oh my God, Gene is talking to me, I'm going to do whatever. And that's why we got a good album. That, that, that to me, is why we got a good album.
0: So, so do you guys think that Bruce Kulick was put through boot camp by Bob? You know, obviously, Peter, well, Chris, Peter Chris was the MVP of Destroyer because of the efforts of what it took to get that performance out of him and how hard he worked to survive working with Bob Ezrin. Mm-hmm. You know, Bruce has a completely different personality type and obviously being a um, a very professional musician who had worked with everyone under the sun by the time he gets to 1992. I mean, he's done Stevie, he's done Bolton, he's done don johnson he's done meatloaf so there's no questioning his ability but translating it into the hard into the harder edge stuff i think really gave bruce a a paradigm shift in his approach to the guitar after that he's got all these different guitars all these different sounds and he has totally changed as a guitarist i mean is it fair to say bob Ezrin changed bruce Kulick's life uh lonnie what do you think on that
2: um I think I think it's fair to say maybe he put him through boot camp a little bit for what for what he was demanding for what what Bob envisioned the album sounding like and and ultimately ended up being. But I think too, I think maybe the the reins on Bruce Kulik he was given a little more latitude that he could do more and he wasn't told no, we're going with with this formula because we want to sound for whatever they were trying to accomplish in the eighties with crazy nights and hot in the shade. And for that matter, for, for what they were doing, I think they gave him and said, you know what? You can be more metal. You can play with, with more style and we're not going to have these constraints on you. Um, and it, and it showcased Bruce, um, in a lot of ways. So I think that the answer to that is really a combination of the two. I think, I think Bob demanded a lot from Bruce for what he envisioned for the album, but I think they gave Bruce a lot more latitude than he had been given in previous albums and finally got to showcase why he was chosen for the band
0: that's that's a good point ken do you think that gene simmons was maybe put through a boot camp again and said no you're not allowed to bring all this dreck into the (laughs) sessions
3: Um, probably i mean they probably picked you know his songs out of like you know 50 songs and that that was you know those were the songs and, and you know of course vinnie vincent helped write a little bit too so you gotta you gotta Give him some credit there, Um, and as for you know Bruce Kulick's solos, I think you know he was he was just blossoming at the time. I think, Uh, and finally was able to, you know, express his you know guitar you know. And the thing is, he was uh, I was going to say fulfilling. You know, the song itself is the songs are better. And that kind of drives your guitar uh, playing. So the songs that, you know, we got a better group of songs now. So now his guitar level is, is up there to meet that and, and, and able to fill those spots, uh, you know, raise his level to those songs, the quality. So the, everything quality wise went up. Um, and I think it's just it's kind of like a perfect storm.
0: I always have kind of uh, an imaginary image in my head of Paul Stanley producing the previous albums and Gene comes in with his box of cassettes. Okay, Paul, I've got my stuff. I'm ready to do an album. And, and <laughs> Paul's just looking at, okay, Gene, we'll put this one on, we'll put this one on, this one on, and then kind of snickering it. <laughs> Gene's going to sing this shit on an album. And he's got reason to live. He's got all his stuff. It's like, it, you know, there was, there was no one like Paul, Paul in Control. So I think that really helps Gene on this album, because this is Gene's kind of, oh, yes. this is Gene's revenge in some ways, that he's back. You know, he's he looks good, he sounds good, and his material is stunning on this album, I think, um, in comparison with uh, what had come before. You, so Mitch, do you think Gene got put through the boot camp of Bob Ezrin saying, and, and maybe Bob Ezrin saying to Paul Stanley, no, you're not having Read My Body on this album, you know, stuff like that. Right. <laughs> they both well, listen, need, they needed a filter.
1: Well, I, well, that's it. And and that's what I was trying to say before. It's that respect. And that's what Bob brings to the studio. And on this, I think everybody goes through boot camp. I think Eric Singer goes through it. He's probably saying, hey, this can be better. Because Bob likes good. He likes perfection. So Paul probably got put through boot camp. Gene certainly got put through boot camp because they were, like, looking at the 80s going, what was the, these last 10 years, dude? We, we got to pick up our game. Bruce, you know, all of them. That, that's what Bob does. He he puts everybody through the ringer and, and expects the best and, and usually gets the best. And so, um, you know, and, and that's the other thing, again, and I'll reiterate, there is no yes man in, in Bob Ezrin so whatever you brought if it wasn't top top of the name you know, top game, top level he's not just going to go uh-huh, uh-huh put it on the album, he's going to say no and Kiss needed somebody in the studio that wasn't afraid to say no and there's nobody else out there or at that time like Bob Ezrin to say that to Kiss because I think anybody else would have gone oh my god I'm working with Kiss yeah, yeah well no, Bob doesn't he's not impressed by that you know, he's done The Wall. He He's done Billion Dollar Baby. He's not impressed with, oh, it's Gene Simmons sitting next to me. And that's what the band needed. And I think the results speak for themselves, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, I mean, after doing The Elder and the fiasco that followed that with Bob, he wouldn't talk to them, would he? You know, I think that, nope. that's been made pretty clear that he was offended by them reaching <clears throat> out to Jack Douglas to possibly do the next album after that and panicking about the work of uh, that they'd done. And then after The Elder, Kiss didn't want to talk to him. You know, he became a convenient scapegoat. And, you know, well, com- coming back, both parties had a lot invested in a, a, having a successful album because they'd had a successful album, but not a successful outcome. In, in, right. in that, you know, they hadn't gone to the next step by having him produce Rock and Roll Over. Do, do you think Lonnie, I mean, I mean, there was just so much invested in this that there was no way that they were going to fail. That a revenge album was just, you know, they're coming off the death of their drummer. They've got a new member of the band. They're working with Bob Ezrin again. It's like a perfect storm of reasons to succeed.
2: Yeah, I, I think that success was... Re- I, think they, I think they knew what they were doing was going to be successful. That, I mean, maybe not by album sales. You read the album sales earlier. But I think they knew that they at least had a Creatures of the Night quality of album that they were putting out that it that it like it really was the perfect storm of of you know what Gene's got his head back in the game. Um you know he, maybe he's working with any and he's and he's but he's coming up with he's bringing quality into um the studio and we're getting quality songs off out of our two main songwriters. Um, our new drummer is is kick ass. Um, Bruce was coming into his own he was blasting and Ken's words. Um, but we're giving them some more latitude and the, you had you know, a great producer it, it really was the perfect Storm for Kiss to put out um, one of their best products that they have in my opinion um, and I guess maybe if it came out a year or two earlier maybe it would have gotten the album sales or maybe the attention that it deserved as opposed to coming out in 92 when it did and music going through, through the change from from hard rock into grunge um but as far as if you just listen to the album on its own and forget about album sales or trends in music at the time i mean it it really is you know the the product is fantastic and and kiss talks about it to, to this day like when they're going to release an album you know like when they were releasing monster oh it's destroyer and a, it's a clash of destroyer and and revenge and which, 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 whatever, say whatever you want. They always compare. They always compare things back to revenge or creatures or destroyer. I think in Gene and Paul's mind, it's it's up there in in quality with those other albums that, that we've championed in the past. So yeah, I I I don't think they. I think they had all the elements in place for a successful product. Um, and they, you know, they they talk about how you know how
0: much they they love the album, but. You don't play anything off the album hardly. So no, that, I don't that, get that. <laughs> that's, that's a crying shame. Since this is a twi- other story. Since we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of this album, let's think about an expanded edition and help Universal um, come up with an idea of how to put out a proper ex- expanded edition. If you want to talk music, if you want to talk packaging. Ken, what would you like to see if Universal were to bless us with a ex- extended release that actually meant something for this album?
3: Extended release. Well, there are some... I know demos uh, that uh were, were recorded for this uh some other songs and i know julian you had played some of those uh for me when we had a car ride uh going down to la did, did um, i, did I the, play uh, do you want
0: to touch me now do we play that one yeah, yeah yeah kind, yeah, of, kind yeah. of ho-hum without the rest of the guitar work but there you go
3: right Right. So I would love to hear, hear that, you know, hear those. Um, also, I would like to, you know, it, maybe if there's some other demo form of songs just to hear or, you know, to see the uh, what it you know, was first like and what it turned out to be. Um, I also would like to see maybe a, a good live, uh, whether it's a video or a live, you know, show, um, if they somehow professionally recorded a, a a good show from the revenge tour or from the club. I mean, you just the bootleg, you know, out there, you know, from the club show I saw, um, in San, in San Francisco. Um, so, and I love to listen to that. Um, but if, if they could have, you know, something like that, add some video, um, you know, maybe some notes from Bob Ezrin on the recording and, you know, liner notes and stuff like that. So, yeah, any little extras that they might have recorded would have been would be good to add on there too.
0: Yeah, I was reading an interview with Bruce uh, when I was writing uh, the stuff earlier this week, and he he was actually saying that he thought that some of the um, bootlegs from the club tour sounded better than a live three to him because they were more. <laughs> you know, kind of organic, and I, I hope I haven't misquoted him. I think it was Bruce, and uh, he certainly, whoever it was, was saying that they sounded better. Mitch, what would you like to see in an expanded edition that could make Revenge better?
1: Um, you know, I, I would like to see uh, Do You Want to Touch Me Now on there, and I'd also like to see them go back in the studio and maybe complete it with with vocals and, and full production, and why not? Get, give a 2017 spin. I mean, Bruce is still around, Eric is still around, why not? And then, yeah, a live show. I mean, I think the Revenge Tour was the band at their very best. Eric Singer with a double bass drum. The, the, you know, they were going back to Parasite. They were doing all... It's got to exist. I mean, we have Confidential. We have all these other video things that shows that there are shows out there that were videotaped. So it's got to be a show. So I would like to see that with a, with a live show. And... You know, since the band is still around, why not call some of the stuff from Unplugged and throw it on there? You know, they did Every Time I Look at You and stuff. Um, mm. You know, they said they had Every Time I Look at You with um, Bruce's solo. That well, let's hear what that sounds like. Uh, there's two rev- two versions of God gave rock and roll to you, one from the soundtrack. Why not put both or pick? I mean, I don't like the song, but you know, if you're gonna go, let's let's go full full throttle. Let's do it. Um, But, you know, the band is still around in 2017. Why not have them just sit down and do four of the songs acoustically or just something to show what the band would sound like today with with the same players? Um, I would get a kick out of that, and I think a lot of fans would, too, to hear Bruce on a Kiss album again, right, you know? Any day of the week, most
0: people would welcome him back. Just look how excited they got with BK3 when he did stuff, you know, with Gene, you know, so... Yeah, you know, that, that was yeah. very exciting, Lonnie. What's your thought on an expanded edition? Yeah, I I think a a professionally recorded
2: um, show from the club tour would be excellent. Um, you know, we've seen the Detroit show; it's on Kissology, and that, and you know, maybe that San Paulo show from you know from Brazil from that's on the bonus disc for Kissology three. I mean, that's fantastic. Mitch mentioned, Mitch mentioned how they were on the top of their game live. I mean, in my opinion, the band never sounded better live. Than what they did in that era. I mean, that band is so freaking tight, and Paul's at his, be- at maybe maybe his best vocally at the time too. I mean, the band is just outstanding. So some some live stuff on there would be great. Um, do you want to touch me now? Obviously, it'd be it'd be stellar to hear them do something with that. You know, and there's some demos out there too. And like you know, how when they did like the Love Gun expanded version, whatever. You know, they they did how like Paul doing that teaching demo of how love gun came together. You know, there's some demos out there of, of take it off and hard of Chrome with like some scat vocals on there, um, to kind of hear how, how those songs were, uh, how they were, you know, sculpting those songs at the time and, and to hear how they were coming together versus the final product, um, would be nice on there as well. Just so the average fan can kind of hear like the song making process. Um, so I I, th- I think there's things they can do with that to to make it better, and you know they they did a lot of that stuff on the um, Unplugged Tour '95 too that they they could they might be able to throw on there as well. So I I think that there there's enough material out there to make a revenge a deluxe revenge you know worthwhile to to the band and to the fans.
0: Yeah, I think yep. that MTV Unplugged, uh, they did do Spit that night, so they should have a, yeah, a, yeah, a professional terrible. recording of that, that they could do it. But I'd like to see, you know, obviously, Do You Want to Touch Me Now? Finished. You know, get Gene to sing it, um, you know, and write the lyric for it. Uh, it'd be, hey, this is Paul's title. You're writing it, Gene. And get Bruce in to finish the lead work on there. You know, let Tommy be a part of it as well, because obviously he's on Revenge already, everyone. Yeah, as is, uh, you know. Um, Back him. I, I I like Mitch's comment about every time I look at you the Bruce solo I love to I'd love to hear stuff like that Unholy the Vinny demos um, Gene obviously we had Domino on the box set so let's get Unholy let's get Domino uh, any of the demos for these songs. Um I don't want to hear the scat vocals. that's the sort of thing that you and anyone listen to once and that would be great on if the same person who organized the Love Gum One would probably put the scat vocals on um, i'd rather <laughs> hear I'd rather hear the original demo that either you know the the first take uh with the right. prop, with the vocals just like Unholy's different um you know and then live shows uh, other than a club show. I don't want to hear anything from the Revenge Tour at uh, full concerts because we've got that. I would rather they do an, at the same time in a Live 3 expanded edition and do all of the shows that were recorded for that and just put them out as the Live 3 expanded edition. So you get Indianapolis, you get Cleveland, you get Detroit, you get Nashville, which I believe was recorded. Um, as a a test, and I think Eddie Kramer also went to St. Louis. So if that's available, all five of those in an Alive 3 box on its own, release them both at the same time, Um, and I I would be very happy. There's so much stuff. I'd like to have the version of Car Jam without Bruce on it. I I would just rather have the Eric Carr Ace Frelli instrumental from 81, because they've obviously got it in stunning quality. So... I would say dial that one back and put it on as well. Say, so here's the original version. you still got Car Jam on disc one. And th- there's a lot of stuff. You could very easily have a very exciting um, expanded edition. And since this is only going to sell 1,700 copies its first week, uh, you know, you got nothing to lose by doing it. So, you know, maybe Johnny Z's harmonica tracks as well because I can't. I can have never figured out where he is on this
1: album. But I'm just—I yeah. don't hear it. So just—just just no interviews. I mean that—that that on the uh, what was it? Love Gun expanded. Yeah. The, I mean, yeah. right in the middle. <laughs> I mean, really? No interviews. Just no interviews. Yeah. But yeah, no. I, but you know, the, the band is still around. The, the four guys are still here. Why not just do one special 2017 track or 2018 track? You know, just. I don't know. The Revenge era was so short, and the Carnival of Souls era was so short. Um, get the four guys to do three songs as a bonus. I mean, come on. Why not? It's not going to hurt anybody.
0: Yeah. Talking about re-recording, and uh, I'm just going to go completely off topic. I, I was thinking this week with Kiss World, they should have re-recorded Kissing Time with updated lyrics for all the countries that they're listening oh. this year. You <laughs> know, another missed opportunity for Record Store Day. But there we go. So, Revenge. Any last thoughts, anyone? Or have we been revenged to death and now have to go listen to the album? Mitch?
1: You know, it's just great that 25 years later, we still care about this album. I think it was a return to form. It was a revenge for Bob. It was a revenge for Gene. It was a revenge for their career, for their look. Um, You know, it was just kiss, re being kiss and you, you regardless of whether you like the songs or not it it helped set the path for what we are in 2017 they are they weren't the joke in sequins anymore they were kiss and we like kiss
3: yeah we They're, want
0: kiss they were back to how they were supposed to be last loss ken
3: yeah i mean if if you're on the you know fence about ever buying this i think you you got to go out and buy it cuz it's it is one of their best of what, how, twenty or whatever many they have now. Um, it's it's a it's a album that I think stands the test of time, and uh, it, it sounds great today um, as it as it did when I first listened to it. So, yeah, if you if you don't have it, I think you should buy it.
0: Absolutely, Lonnie
2: you know i I think it's a shame with how good it is um the poor amount of of album sales that it has i mean it's it's fantastic it it stands it's stand it stands the test of time because it still sounds terrific when i listen to it even today it just sounds so great um and it, it really was kiss returning the form and Kiss reinventing their image and 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 moving forward into um ultimately what became the reunion, but it it was really Kiss refocusing themselves and getting back on track, and it really shows for itself. It's it's my favorite Kiss album, and I think it always will be. It's fantastic.
1: If I can just say one last thing on the sound, Bruce once said this to me. He said it's the only album in the catalog. That does not need to be remixed or remastered because it mm. sounds so good. And he's absolutely right. I mean, the first three albums, they could they could definitely use a remixing and a cleaning up and a, and and a hot in the shade. And, and but this one, you don't need a remaster. It okay. is remastered. It's perfect, right? I mean, they got the sounds right. So, you know, they got the sounds right. Yeah,
0: you're not you're not going to change a thing on this album um, in terms yep. of its sonics. It was. They hit it out of the ballpark, and that remains the same today. You know, that was my major takeaway from listening to the album this week, is how glorious it sounds. Yeah, I can nitpick on some of the material here and there. But for the vast majority of it, it's just high quality, and Gene Simmons had his top knot back. Just look at his hair on the back cover. You know, Gene Simmons was cool again. Hallelujah. So, that's our celebration of the 25th anniversary of... Is Revenge. Chime in on the message board, which is back up today, really. Honest <laughs> DNS should be fixed for everyone. I'm on a new server for the first time in 10 years, so that all, all goes good. Um, chime in, whether you follow us on Facebook, on uh, iTunes, wherever you listen to us. If you got a comment to make, share your memories of Revenge and what makes it such a great album for you. Because um, we would love to talk about it. So, we thank you for listening. Ken, Lonnie, thank you as always. Mitch, Thank you very much for joining us today. It's been great to yes. have you on the show. Wish you all the best with okay. your show and look forward to hopefully maybe even having you on again. So keep yeah, it, absolutely. Keep, Would love to. Keep us in mind if there's a topic that you want to talk about and we'll do a show. So thank you all for listening and we will see Kiss you in FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we have broadcast today.